Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 37 of the We Are Speaking Podcast. During each weekly 30-minute episode, we address some of our favorite topics, including American history and culture, government, education, and politics from a Black perspective. We're so glad you're joining us here today. The podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. We offer branding and marketing services, including online training, small group coaching, and one-on-one coaching to independent writers and creative and solo professionals. You can find out more at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. As a free or paid subscriber to the We Are Speaking publication, you can access the podcast episodes through the website or on your favorite podcast player. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. My name is Pamela Hilliard Owens, and I am one of the co-hosts of We Are Speaking, in partnership with my husband and business partner, Keith Owens, who also wrote and performed the intro and outro music for the podcast. And speaking of Keith, here he is. Hi, Keith. Hey, good to be here again. Well, this week was the 2023 State of the Union Address, which is constitutionally mandated for the president to give a message about what has been going on. The, actually, the Constitution says at, at regular intervals. It doesn't exactly say when the State of the Union message is to be given. It also doesn't state that it's supposed to be uh, broadcast and, tele- and, and broadcast or given in person or, or televised. Of course, it wasn't televised until the late 1940s. But originally, uh, the first two presidents, uh, George Washington and John Adams, gave it in person. Thomas Jeff gave it in person before Congress. Thomas Jefferson submitted a written State of the Union address to Congress. And all presidents from Thomas Jefferson through Woodrow Wilson submitted their State of the Union reports in writing. Starting after Woodrow Wilson, they again did it in person in Congress. In 19, I wrote wrote an article about this. In 1948, was the first time it was done, no, in the 20s, it was done through the radio. Radio was still relatively new. So the, I think Calvin, Calvin Coolidge was the first president to give it by radio broadcast, but the audience was very limited uh, because radio was still relatively new. By the time it was Herbert Hoover, it was broadcast on the radio nationwide. Harry Truman in the 40s was the first one that did it on television. But if, if, if you've ever seen television back in the 40s, it was this little bitty screen. And of course, hardly anybody had TV. So it was, it was televised after that. And it wasn't until the 1960s that it really became a big deal for it to be on television. It wasn't in the evening. When it was on television, it was during, during the day. It wasn't uh, given in the evenings until the 1980s. And now, of course, it's a really, really big deal. Oh, uh, uh, Bill Clinton was the first president to have the State of the Union message televised and simultaneously broadcast on the Internet. So that's how it's evolved since George Washington gave the first one when he was president, because it is mandated in the Constitution. So the State of the Union, this was Biden's second State of the Union. When you, when the president is inaugurated in January and then gives an address to Congress, it's not called the State of the Union the first time because uh, the State of the Union is for the previous year. And the new president, 
wasn't in charge unless they've been reelected. Wasn't in charge the previous year. So a new president does not give a does not give a state of the me- union message, but gives a, a joint message to Congress. Also, this is important to remember: the Speaker of the House has to invite the president to Congress to give the State of the Union message. The president cannot speak before Congress or come into the Capitol without first being invited by the Speaker of the House. And as we said before, this is very important because on January 6th, Trump said he was going to the Capitol and going to just walk in. And Nancy Pelosi, who was Speaker at the time, said, no, he's not because I did not invite him. So I, I listened very carefully because usually the Speaker of the House says, it is, I am honored to present the President of the United States. And I was wondering if Kevin McCarthy was going to say, I am, the, I am honored part. He did. He said he was happy and honored to um, have the President in the uh, Congress. So last time, of course, Joe Biden had Vice President Kamala Harris and Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi behind him in those two chairs. This time, now it was Kamala Harris, Vice President, and she was not acting as Vice President. She was acting in her other role, the other role of all Vice Presidents, actually the only role of all Vice Presidents as as President of the Senate. So that's why she was there as President of the Senate and then Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy. And if you've seen any of the um, videos from that night, oh boy, the, the, the looks on Kevin McCarthy's face. But Keith, I'm going to turn it over to you for some of your thoughts about the State of the Union message. Well, I thought the State of the Union message was powerful and I think that people uh, rightfully so have, have noticed that, uh, that not noticed, but have commented that Biden was one of the strongest addresses. And of right. course, as we've spoken, said before on this program, President Biden, like many people, his, his speaking is not his strongest suit. Right. When you, when you compare to someone like like President Obama. Yeah, and it's so unfair to, 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 to compare anybody to President Obama, Obama. Or, or, President, or Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan or President Kennedy. We're much more telegenic, who much more, had much more presence in that sense. But but when you look at his accomplishments, and, right. and but that's the key thing. But to answer that question and then move on to uh, in terms of also in terms of his reelection, but mm-hmm. I think. But it, it's also important to notice for those who talk about who are concerned about his age and how he will respond, the way he handled the hecklers. I mean, right. Because it cannot, that cannot be said without remark, first of all, just of how bad the heckling was. Right. That this was just out of, out of control and it, and it be just a whole other episode about Kevin McCarthy's inability to rein in his caucus and they were acting pretty much like kids in a movie theater. But his ability to just handle them. Right. And, and expose them for the children that they are. Right. Was, exactly. Was, was perfect. And right. still get, and still getting his message across about what needs to be done. Right. And I watched, Keith was, was, was away at a musical event, as a matter of fact, that night, but I watched it live uh, on C-SPAN. <laughs> and at the very beginning, when Joe was talking about all of the accomplishments that, that he's made in the past two years. And you have to remember that the, the house under Nancy Pelosi had the, the exact same slim margin that Kevin McCarthy has. I think she had a margin of five, I think it is. And, but they were able to get so much done. And uh, with, with the jobs and all of that, the jobs that he has been able to get into the economy post COVID, during COVID and post COVID far exceed anyone. Oh yeah, but that's what I thought I wanted to get to because, mm-hmm. like I said, we his the speech the speech was great, and right? That's good, but I think. But that, before before okay. before you talk about the economy, because I want what I noticed was people have to remember that he is a stutterer and he has worked 
all of his life to overcome the stuttering. And what I noticed was that at the very beginning of the speech, when he started talking faster, he didn't stumble over his words, but you could tell that he was working hard to get the words out without stammering. And the Republicans call that being uh, rambling or having dementia or whatever, without remembering that it's very, very difficult for a stutterer. They have to really, really be careful. That's why he stops and breathes. That's why stutterers stop and breathe. And James Earl Jones, for example, was a stutterer. But he's also an actor. So he has had a lot of, so he's had a lot of voice training, whereas Biden just kind of was self-trained on how to get over his stammer. And that's very important. And also, just on a personal note for both of us, neither one of us are stutterers. Pam and I both speak very fast. Right. And I know that when I speak, and I've always had that problem, I speak very fast and sometimes you know, Pam, Pam and I have been married for 25 years, and Pam will still say, what did you say? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and I realize not everybody's going to tell me they didn't understand. Right. You know, but because I talk that fast, so that's that is part of the speech, but it's not stuttering. But it's still, like I said, people will attribute that to something. Right. But it's not, that's not necessarily what it is, or saying that the, you know, your brain's not working right. properly, etc. Right. And that's not the case. He's just not a great speaker. And that, and, and in the day, and that's a special liability Unfortunately, in today's culture, because everything, video, everything, everything, everything is from popular social media like Instagram and TikTok, mm-hmm. where everything that you, you have to have pictures or video to go with it. Right. Very weird. And you have other things like, what's the new one, Post, I think, where that gives a lot more credit, you know, of the written. Right, you know, right, right. You know, you know written, you get written and other things like Medium does that. But the, the hot ones, the ones that particularly younger generation follow, Video and pictures, particularly video, right. are everything. And so people pay it to so much attention and give and attribute so much to that, that for somebody who does not come across well in that medium, it attracts undue way more than it would have in earlier generations. And so the um, first part, part of the, uh, of all states of the union State of the Union addresses, they, people are, are allowed to bring guests in. And they bring guests in to, for a political purpose. And so, for example, the parents, the mother and stepfather of, Ty, of Tyree Nichols, was, were, they were there. And he, and Biden gave the most time to them. And she spoke, she stood up and spoke. And then also the young man from California who stopped the killer for coming, from coming into the second dance hall. I think he's like 23 or whatever. He was there, so they spoke about that. And then also the U.S. ambassador, the ambassador to, to the United States from Ukraine was there. She's, she's been at almost everything. And so he acknowledged her. The first lady and second gentleman were there. And it's funny because they, when, when they greet each other, they kissed on the lips. <laughs> I don't think they meant to do that, but it was quite obvious. And so they were there. And oh, and Bono from U2 was there. Right. And Bono was there because Joe Biden gave props to uh, George W. Bush for all of his work worldwide fighting HIV. And, and AIDS. And that's a big thing for Bono. So Bono was there. And so when they have those people sitting up in the in the gallery, in the box, they do that for, for a reason. Right. They choose those people for a reason. And so Joe gave uh, props to that. He also gave props to a couple whose four-year-old daughter was, was, uh, had cancer. And so they were talking about how the, how the medicine, medicine, and so now she's okay. And he also spoke about a, a father whose, whose child died of, oh, from fentanyl, from fentanyl, from a fentanyl overdose just a couple of years ago. And so when he was talking about that, the Republicans yelled, fentanyl is your fault, just screaming, screaming. And the father wrote an op-ed the next day about how 
horrible it was for the Republicans to mess up that moment for him. He's mourning his daughter, and she and they're screaming about. Well, that's the thing they don't care about. They, 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 they don't care about it. And um, and I think, and at this point, I think we need to move forward in terms of the reelection part. Right, well, right. No, because I think. Well, but no, before you do that, I want to talk about Sarah Sanders too. Oh, okay. uh, and yeah, yeah, because but but the the, the thing that was because the first part of the of the speech was the regular stuff, you know, he, uh, touting all of his accomplishments and mentioning all the people in the gallery and all that. But then when he was talking about that he was not going to that the many Republicans were wanted to sunset Social Security and Medicare, and they kept and talking about Kevin McCarthy, the Republicans, not all of them, but but people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, those people, they were so rowdy that. Kevin McCarthy actually told him, shh, shh. He had to tell, these are, these are grown folks. And he's shushing them like they're children. And so what happened? And this is where, what they say, Biden's experience and his, his quickness, because he got the Republicans to say, oh, oh, you don't want to, don't, you don't want to mess with social security? No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Says, oh, I like that conversion. Let's all agree where you are not going to mess with social security and Medicare. And, and then look on, on, on uh, Kevin McCarthy's face. He got them to agree, to stand up and agree, the Republicans, that they wouldn't do it. They didn't want to be, but he tricked them into doing it. Well, he tricked them into saying He tricked them into, yes. into yeah, saying yeah, that. The, the, you know, what they say, what they did there, what they're going to do with something. What they're going to do with something else. But the fact that they stood up and, 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 and by acclamation said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to touch social Security and Medicare. And so that was a masterful pivot for him because that was not scripted. And so he went off script, which, and a lot of times when he goes off script, that's when things mess up. But it was, it was, it was totally off script. And it was just, it was just ma- masterful. And like we said, he's not, he's not Barack Obama in the speaking. He's not Ronald Reagan. He's not John Kennedy in soaring speeches. But this was one of the best State of the right. Unions. Uh, people agree. Even the Fox people had to agree that it was, that was, that it was good. That's, that's unusual. Then after the State of the Union address comes the reply from the other party. And so this time they chose new Arkansas governor, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And that was, and even, 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 even Steve Bannon said that was the worst choice they could have had because she, it was, it was taped because they usually are taped. So it was, it was pre-taped. So it wasn't really a response because it wasn't, it, they, she didn't really respond to what he said. She came out Saying all these things about CRT and, and, and woke mob and all this kind of thing. And first she said, we're going to look towards the future. But then she goes back and talks about all this old stuff that they've been saying for all these years about CRT and woke mob and, and all of that. And we're not going to, we're not going to let them uh, do this to us. And we want to go back to our, she said freedoms like seven times, but the freedoms she listed are the exact freedoms they're trying to take away from everybody else. And so it was absolutely horrible. And the fact that for two and a half years, she was the press secretary to Trump and lied right there from the press stand. And they chose her. Oh, and, and because she said, well, I'm the youngest governor. And that's true. So so that's when she said we should look for the future. But then the whole rest of the speech was looking to the, toward the past. Right. You know, I think that was that's true. Why in the world? They chose her. Mm-hmm. Nobody would understand. But at the same time, it's not like they have a deep bench for intelligence. Right, right. <laughs> so, so they they may have, and they need the the exact crowd that they need, the independents, et cetera, is the exact crowd they turned off. They there's did. No, there's, mm-hmm. no, there's nothing she said. There's nothing about her that will attract new voters or hold the ones. That, and now we can move on to the, to the re-election. I think right, about right. Biden. I think because after after that speech, in, in a lot of ways, I think people 
felt good about Biden, about his capabilities, et cetera. But there was, uh, but the biggest thing that is brought those who doubt whether he should run again, you know, is his, is his age. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to say, first of all, that's not an invalid concern. Right. I mean, it's not that stuff that should not be brought up. He's 80 years old. Anybody of us who are close to age know that, that anything, anything can happen anytime, but around at 80, it's, it's a cause of a concern. A lot of things can change. Mm-hmm. And he's 80 now. He'll be mm-hmm. 82 in two years. So that's not, that's a valid concern. But I think that what we also need to consider is, and there's a piece I want to read in, in full, which I think is really excellent. Mm-hmm. It's really about the show, the concern, the, the concerns people have. And, and I could respond to that. But, but when you talk about whether or not it should be Biden, whether or not he should run again, the thing that this piece brings out is, well, well first two things. One, is if not President Biden, then who? Right, right. And that's the concern because you can point out in a number of certainly impressive Democrats who could probably do a fine job, or, or but between now and two years from now, mm-hmm. would it take who out there can start? And not only that, but, but, but what run if if President Biden is. Is even if he said he's not running, and he said mm-hmm. his plans to run. Right. So now with the unification of the party, nobody, the Democrats, that uh, amount of of, of um, momentum, the momentum, but also the, their cohesion. You right. Know? So, you know, right. You know, nobody's going to go and challenge him. If he, but even if he didn't, who can get that that kind of momentum going in to compare with what he has yeah. and the amount of accomplishment? And and here's the thing because. And what this piece I'm going to read it is not going to take too long, but what it points out that I think is so important is that when when Democrats and Independents are, are polled about the kind of job that President Biden is doing, almost unanimously by high margin, every, they're very favorable right. in terms of what. But when they talk about when these poll when they're polled about whether they should run again, it's much lower. And this article by Frank Bruni in New York Times I think really talks about the the. the Conundrum. I mean, right. And I think, and I, and always, I almost never, matter of fact, I never have read a full piece, but I think this is really important because it really talks about what we're going to be dealing with in terms of the momentum that we need to put behind President, with what we're, with what we're up against. And he says, mess, messages don't come any more mixed. An overwhelming majority of Democrats and independents who lean Democratic believe that President Biden has done a good job. 81 and 78 percent, respectively, according to a recent Washington Post ABC News poll. They can see what an increasingly ungovernable country we've become, how much he has accomplished despite that, how admirably he has kept his cool for the most part, and how well he has honored his overarching promise to put the puerile and corrosive drum of the Trump administration behind us. For Donald Trump, we need noise-canceling headphones. For, <laughs> for Biden, hearing aids. The, si- <laughs> the silence is golden. Mm-hmm. Regardless, 58% of those same Democrats and independents said they want a Democratic presidential candidate other than Biden in 2024. They seem to like him. They're apparently grateful for him, yet they're ready to kick him to the curb. It doesn't add up. And the person to whom the arithmetic must feel strangest and coldest is Biden. During his State of the Union address on Tuesday night, he strongly signaled that he'll seek re-election. So that settles that? I don't think so. Not when you factor in the metabolism of politics today, the, the predictable unpredictability of the world and his age, 80, which comes with the increased possibility of deteriorating health and sudden illness. The worries about his ability to endure the rigors of a presidential campaign and come out a winner aren't going away, nor will the calls for him to wise up, stand down, and let a younger, fresher, 
more dynamic Democrat claim the center of the stage. But they skip some of that. But I nonetheless want to pause and fully acknowledge what an extraordinary and difficult thing I are, and others are asking Biden to do. It took him, well, forever to reach the top. Mm -hmm. That's perhaps the most compelling part of his political story. His patience, his perseverance, his resilience. And now that he finally stands at the summit, we're telling him not to get too comfy or savor the view for too long. In saving us from a second term of Trump, Biden quite likely saved us from ruin. And so we're done with him. And then Nikki goes on from that. He said, that's beyond cold. It's close to cruel. And I think that really, once again, it's Frank Bruni, if anybody wants to read right. that from the New York Times. But I think that really brings what Democrats and progressives and independents are wrestling with because people are, are, are worried. Nobody can deny what he's what he's accomplished. Mm -hmm. And when you look at some of the accomplishments, like I think Pam mentioned or started mentioning in the beginning in, ter in terms of what, what his accomplishments are. And that's uh, yeah, the jobs report. He right. said, he said uh, because the president he has the strongest economy. In years, right. the unemployment rate is the lowest in 50 years, which is incredible. I mean, the amount of jobs they put in, the some the things they've accomplished. When you go on, when you go on the website, uh, they list as they should. One of the things that President Biden always said was President Obama didn't trumpet his accomplishments like he needed, and that's right. a, it's a and it, you can't afford to be humble right. in a job like that. And and the, the, he protected marriage equality, he changed the approach to marijuana, where he you know, pardoned all prior federal offenses. Student debt relief was something that he, they did. Revitalized American manufacturing, signed the Inflation Reduction Act. Mm -hmm. It goes on and on. But there's there's so many things that he's accomplished, and it's one of the most. And this is what he did with the Republicans right. in Congress. Right. Now, granted, we had a slim majority in the Senate, right. in the right. House, so we did have, but still, it was fifty-fifty. Mm -hmm. And and even with that fifty-fifty, because we were having we having those arguments about Mansion and Cinema because of when they wouldn't sign on. So with that slim majority, but the things that he was able to accomplish in that situation. And as Pam mentioned before about his experience, and we've spoken before many times that our, our original candidate during the primary was Elizabeth Warren. Right. And, mm -hmm. and I still have mad respect for her. But both of us, I think I say to say, have come to the conclusion that Elizabeth Warren or nobody else could have done what he did, not just the accomplishments, but navigated those waters. Right. And, and this is what I, this is what I tell people. Yes, his age can be a factor, but Nancy Pelosi is 80. Jim Clyburn is 82. And, and, uh, as a matter of fact, he said that the other day. He said, I'm 82 and I'm doing great. And so we, he might, do, you know, he'll be 82 when he runs, 86 when the next four years mm -hmm. are up. That's old. Yeah. But, but, but he's doing okay now. Right. And who knows? <clears throat> He might still be doing okay when he's 82. Well, no, let me finish. When he's 82, 84, or whatever. But my thing is, why change horses midstream? Like you said, who's gonna, who's gonna come in? My next favorite, besides Kamala Harris, when they will give her such a hard time, is, is, uh, Secretary Pete. But then he has to overcome the hatred that America has towards gay people. And so, but then, uh, so then who else? Who else has Joe's experience? has his um, temperament and has accomplished as much as he has and even overcoming some of the mistakes that he made when he was a senator to come in because we're still dealing with, we're hoping that the Republicans, and we're going to keep this short because Keith has nothing else to say. The Republicans are imploding. They are showing themselves to be so, so pitiful that in two years, we can keep the, keep, win back the House and expand the Senate and keep the presidency. And then for his next at least two years in Congress, get a whole lot of stuff done because the Republicans are turning off everybody except their small rabid base, including the independents. 
So we have to keep that in mind. And plus the fact, polls two years out, come on. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't know if he does run again, Mm -hmm. and he's 82, and and he looks in good health as he is now. It's also not fair to predict because you don't know. And right. also, he does have a vice president. Right, right. That's, I mean, and, and the person that he chose, Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And she's very capable. No doubt she's learned so much from him in terms of how to, how to govern. Right, right. So, in case, so this is a situation. Actually, I, I go back to what happened, although she doesn't have the experience anywhere near as Lyndon Johnson. But when you look at with President Kennedy. Right. Now, that's something you could never expect. They anticipate happening. They didn't even really like each other. Right. They, they, no, it was worse than that. I couldn't stand it. Right. He, I mean, he, 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 uh, Kennedy took Johnson because he needed the Southern white. He needed the Southern white, but the whole Kennedy family, they detested him. Right. Know? But when he, but when he, once he was assassinated, mm-hmm. that you had a vice president who stood in and took the place and ran it. That's the purpose. Right. That he can run. So when you're, when you're looking at the, it'd be different if you had, you know, Daffy Duck or somebody who's right. president, but you have somebody who's perfectly capable, uh, able to step in and take the job. You know, and, also keep in mind that when you're talking about age, remember that Nelson Mandela right. was Let's, 75 right. when he when he was assumed presidency, and he had just been released from prison about three or four years earlier. Right, right. And when you're talking about 24, 25, 26 years in prison, right. hard prison, come back out and then run one of the most you know, troubled nations in the world. I mean, they're 75 and they're 75. Right, exactly, you know, exactly, exactly. At that, at that, at that, you don't know. I think the same reason that we needed President Biden in in, in 2020, when right. he was first elected, are the same reasons we're going to need him again in 2024. Right, and like, because and, like he said, we're not done. There's a whole bunch right, to do. And that's what he's saying. We're not done right, yet. Right. He keeps saying that over and over again, and which means right, that right. he needs to finish, and he and we need to finish what we started. Right, because they're... With what, and I think with with what we're facing, because number first of all, we have to get over the the hurdle, and and two was it twenty two? We have to take back the Senate, right? No, 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 no. We have the Senate. We have, we have, Senate. Take, we have to take back the House. Take, I'm sorry, right, right. We take back the first of all, take back the House, but then because all the unrest that we're seeing, right, with the with the Republicans, this is not a short term thing, and if we do not take back right. the House, House. and if I, then. Who knows? Right, what exactly. we're seeing now, that's what we're looking at in terms of where, like, like others, like he himself said, we're at one of those points in history, and not just locally, not just uh, nationally, but, but globally. In, globally, that's and right. Everybody's looking here. That's why, as we've spoken before, why Ukraine is so important. Right. Because, again, what, what Putin is trying to do, what so many other national uh, fascist leaders are trying to do, and they're looking at because if they all succeed, and evidence has come out, it's funny, not enough reporting has come out on them. We won't worry about that now. But it is starting to come out how much collusion. Right. There's been between the right wing here and all these other leaders from Brazil to Putin to Orban. Is it Orban? Orban. Yes. Orban. And, they, and they're all in communication right. with each other. Right. So they're all trying to convert the entire world. Right. To right. This way. And, and, and that, so it's, it's very, very critical. Right. What we right. Speak. Right. Right. So as usual, we're, we're going to come back to this because there's so much going on and, uh, Talking about having stamina, he went. Uh, Biden went right out, and he went to Florida. No, he went to Florida, I think, on Wednesday. He went to Wisconsin on Thursday. He went somewhere else on Friday. He's going to Poland at the end of the month. So, and then it's it's really funny. Then we have to stop. But it's really funny because he he's, he rides his bike all the time. And they were making not they I, Republicans and Trump was making fun when the clip on his 
on his uh, bike, on, on his bike uh, shoe, shoe, he, he caught the clip and, and, and the tipped over. He got back on, put his, and kept on going. And, and Trump had the nerve to make, make fun of him. Trump can't even ride a bike. He can't walk a quarter of a mile. He needed a golf cart in Europe to walk a quarter of a mile. Oh, yeah. And to to honor the World War II dead, and then he didn't even honor them. He thinks people who who were in the military and died are losers. So we have to keep in mind of that that somebody who can do that kind of exercise and go back and forth and back and forth, and the next day, and see if it had been me giving a speech like that on Tuesday night, I would have slept all day Wednesday. No, he was right out there. Plus, he's doing what he loves. Yes, and he, that and that and anybody will tell you that's just basically a medical fact. I right mean, when you're doing something that, that that keeps you exactly going. exactly keeps exactly you the minute you slow down and just sit down and start getting a rocking chair you age fast right 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 so we'll come back to this and we'd love to you know read your comments either um on the comment section on on the website or in the chat because there's a room in the chat for paid subscribers and which reminds you to, that this is that this is brought to you by our paid subscribers of we are speaking com and our company team Owens313GCC.com. And we'll talk to you again soon. Yep, talk to you soon.